Coming up on this week's podcast, Alan shares his thoughts on some of the latest films doing a movie roundup. We get the lowdown from E3 Xbox style with Martin. But first, we discuss the future of robots in our civilization. Let's roll. You're listening to the Three Pixels Tech, Gaming, and Movie Podcast, brought to you by Alan Taylor, Martin Gregory, and me, Ben Ridley. Hello, and welcome back to the Three Pixels Podcast. We're here with episode number 10 for your ears. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in and showed us love over the last few episodes. If you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, what are you doing? Tap that subscribe button right now, and don't forget to tell a friend about the episode. Tell someone today get them to listen in and enjoy the content that we put out just as much as I hope you guys enjoy it as well. We were getting close to that 2,000 listens mark, so if you can help push us there, we will love you forever, I promise. We're here recording this episode in the wonderful White City. Thanks to the Media Works. Big shout out to them. We're in the podcast pod here with some beautiful views, but not as beautiful as the view I've got right in front of me. Introducing long-running co-host of the Three Pixels Was Pixel podcast, Martin. How are you today? Me, I'm flattered, Ben. That's how I feel after that. Wow, we we are surrounded by lovely views. But we to, are. But to say that I am a lovely view, Ben. Wow. Oh, you've earned yourself a dinner later on. I think. Thank you very much. Looking slightly bewildered about this uh, slightly awkward third wheel conversation that he's now involved in yeah should i be here i i don't know but you're here anyway and have been here for 10 episodes now i've been here for wonderful 10 episodes it has been a pleasure having you all the way it wouldn't be the movie corner without him he is the critic of anything film related alan how are you i'm very good yeah thanks for taking me out to white city Let me take you on a trip to the city of tomorrow almost like something straight out of a science fiction movie Crime-preventing robots, Robocops, have been popping up in cities around the world over the last year. The first one was shown off outside the world's tallest tower, the Burj Khalifa, in Dubai last June. But since then, what has it achieved? Power Robotics, the company who created the cyber police officer, shed some light on its duties, which seem to be less hot fuzz and more Mary Poppins, a helpful tourist guide rather than a crime stopper. A quote here says, This robot joined the Dubai police to help citizens in an innovative and engaging way, and that is located by now in tourist attractions and shopping malls. So, you may wonder, what are the skills of this robot? Well, they include speaking multiple languages and guiding people to popular points of interest. Very crime-stopping, I hear you say. You may think this is probably a total waste of money, and you could be right, but Dubai believe this will help make the police service smarter and hope to roll out many more computer-controlled, unstaffed police stations, 25% to be exact, by 2030. A quote here says, These kind of robots can work 24-7. They won't ask you for sick leave or maternity leave. They can also work completely around the clock. The aim originally was to allow the robots to help the elderly find their way home and provide a way of contacting the police in an emergency. However, fears of the reality of this grew when in July 2017, a security robot used to patrol an office building in Washington was found drowned in a fountain. It's not all doom and gloom, however, and the world's global powerhouse in electronics aren't sitting around on the idea. China, which is building what it calls the world's biggest surveillance camera network, are rolling out robots in train stations and airports. It is equipped with a series of cameras and has, according to reports, already used its sensors to detect a small fire. It can also recognize faces, allowing it to track and follow 
potential criminals or suspicious people. So many people believe that our skies will be full of flying robots in the next 10 years. Others believe that robots could be maintaining urban infrastructure, as students from the University of Leeds in England have managed to achieve with robots that can repair potholes in roads. So this is where I open up to you listening and of course to Alan and Martin in the studio. I think the core points here are A. Are we as close to the robot future as being made to believe? B. What could be a fallback from this sort of future if it came true? And C. Will this actually improve society as a whole? Now there's a lot of questions here, a lot of things to ask. So as you guys are thinking at home, I'm going to push it over to Alan. Is this future as close as we're being made to believe that it is? They were saying very clear dates. What was it, 2030? They're aiming for a lot of this stuff to be done by. Technology moves so fast. I, I'll believe it. Obviously, it's not happening in a city that I live in, so I can't see the effects. As with anything, you need the time to develop it in a on location, right? To see this as beta testing for the final product. Even if they're just doing tourist things, that's still helpful and still a cool thing to do. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people complaining that robots are taking jobs. I like the way they look. They look very Fallout. Is this the future that you want to see replacing real police officers with robots, if they're as capable as they are set to be in 2030? They're going to get a lot of abuse yes. from people. Someone put them one in a fountain even in Washington. Li- yeah, exactly. Even living police get a lot of abuse as it is. These things are going to get trashed and there was the comment as well that they don't need to take sick leave. They'll still need maintenance, especially from being trashed by drunk people. Yeah. Or, you know, gangs or kids or whatever. I think people don't have the same conscience about it as they would humans, so they might not be as effective in that regard. But if they can design them to be, that's fine, that's cool, go for it. I mean, design it, do it, push it. There's no harm in it until we bully them too much and then they don't like it anymore. But until that day, it'll all be fine. It's fine. It'll work out. Robots won't rebel. So Martin, I don't want to stereotype you a little bit here, but I would feel that you may come to this sort of topic in a skepticism, in the fact that you might feel that these are going to replace real people jobs and the chance of this robot being able to deal with all the different situations might not be true. Am I jumping ahead to conclusions here or is that how you feel you're right you know me well enough and alan is right there are going to be some people who are going to raise concerns about like a police force people taking jobs i'm quite on the fence about this one i can understand like uh, it'd be a cheaper way of governing the streets because you know you've got to pay people with robots just looking maintenance and off they go so approaching quicker than we actually anticipate i'd say definitely there'll be at least one in one major city and I also agree with Alan I think they're going to get trashed absolutely trashed I might partake in these trashings I won't know I'm, I'm a law-abiding citizen I should mention you're the one that threw it into the yeah, uh, fountain Washington yeah I, I, I actually flew over there all, all over there just to trash this I thought yeah I thought so <laughs> this does bring you to the morality question that we get with Tesla cars and other robots that are being used today in this world what if a robot makes a decision in the police force to 
protect itself or can make a decision or do something that could cause harm to someone and it makes the wrong decision and causes more harm in the situation you know what if it sees a fire and it decides to try and extinguish it itself maybe it can do that in the future but it ends up creating a worse problem or like blocking an entrance to a doorway trapping people in the building coming up with things that might not ever happen but if, if something happens like this you know where do we draw the responsibility well it's how you code it, how you how you teach it, and it's inevitable that's going to happen. Have you ever seen the film iRobot? Yes. When Will Smith, this is a spoiler, by the way. I should I should just let everyone know. When Will Smith's character is in the car and it's sinking, and the robot saves him over the girl, and he's like screaming, "Oh no, save the girl instead of me first because you know he knew he could survive it. But the robot's just programmed to go for whoever, really, and that's just it. And I, I can see it now. People are going to start blaming these robots, but they can only go as far as they're programmed, and they can only go as far to the letter of the law. And yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some situations where robots did something that caused a bigger incident they're not supermen you know they're not they're not gonna fly in a cape save everyone oh someone just died let me just spin back the globe so i can reverse time and all that you know they can only do so much and i feel like yes they're gonna be problems but and this is why i was skeptical about it yes there are gonna be problems that, that it could cause but also i think how many problems it sort of resolved before it got out of hand so you think that they might be for better overall rather than for worse that's why i said i'm on the fence i think overall yes i think they could become better for society i think that our generation and our kids and their kids will definitely be more integrated with technology and there are some ai interfaces out there especially in japan so realistically in about 50 years time we'll just accept it that's the as the norm do you think society will be better as a whole with these robots integrating but let's let's just say not just policing robots so you know infrastructure robots that will improve whether it's things like you know the potholes in rows the example i give or repairing you know things around the community or giving directions to tourists these helper bots let's say do you think that they're going to take anything away from society that we haven't got today but add enough to to be worthwhile or do you think that we could have this future where things are a little bit more unsure society is always unsure I, I, but I mean, you know, there's always this impending doom of the robots taking over. You say society is insured. Okay, do you think robots would improve society for no longer being? Insured? So let's say so they are now here. Do you think they'll improve people's lives and stuff? Or well, like you said, it depends on how they're programmed. I don't think that it's an issue necessarily of the technology. Or will the technology be ready for us? I think it's definitely a case of will we be ready for it when it comes. And I think I'm glad that we're having these conversations about the laws. I mean, whatever. We've been having these conversations in science fiction forever about whose fault is it if the machine breaks the law. Yeah, of course. But now that the courts are having these conversations, that's good. I think we're getting ready for the obvious coming of machines making decisions. And whether it's just doing potholes or solving crimes, whatever, we need to have the infrastructure for what if they do it wrong so i think if we've got that sorted they will be welcomed with open arms okay yeah that's a really interesting point because especially with the crime thing robots and machines can be reprogrammed or rebuilt whereas people can't be they have to be put away for a while john here has just broke the law he's got to go for away for eight years you've got to now pay for his food or or this you know it's it costs a lot of money but with robots you just like you said just reprogram and reset hit the hit the reset switch with a car it's quite simple in in theory to decide what it might decide to do in certain reactions but 
in policing duties especially there's a whole host of context that has to be understood to know how to deal with situations you can deal them you can try and put some code in that's like right and wrong but right in one situation could be completely different in a different situation so i've got a solution sure every cop has a buddy cop that's a robot pair them together human and robot and then create a sitcom. It does sound like a sitcom, yeah. <laughs> there we go. I mean, this is a very big conversation, and I didn't expect any of you guys to have answers or to have any big suggestions. That but doubts us. No, I, cricket I, noise when he asks. <laughs> no, I, I genuinely, you know, because it is such a hard question to ask, and I'm sure you guys listening right now may be unsure, but that's exactly why I wanted to bring up the topic of conversation, get you guys thinking. We are heading in this direction, whether you like it or not, whether you are going to protest in the streets, this is coming at some point, whether it's coming in the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it is coming, especially in the wealthier communities, in the wealthier cities, Dubai, where they can afford to invest in these things first. It is coming our way, and it will be interesting to see how these questions and hurdles are overcome as we progress forward into the future, whatever it may hold. Welcome to the movie section of the podcast. So, we're in a bit of a lull at the minute. We're not really. Jurassic World's out, but I'm assuming nobody cares about that. Um, I care. Uh, no, I really don't. Really. No, I couldn't care less. Uh, so, I've not gone to see that. I'm sure you, if you want to find a review of that, you can. But I have got a backlog of movies that I've seen that I've not even spoken about yet. So, I'm going to do a speed round of reviewing. In the middle of the table... We've got a few cards. Can you guys reach that? Yeah. Can I ask a naive question? Yes. Are these all new up-to-date films or are they... They're a bit of a mixture. on the way out. So okay. if you do want a bit of fresh air from... Fucking smells a bit funny. <laughs> if you do want a bit of fresh air from these big blockbusters we've been having, your Star Wars, Marvel, whatever, go check these out. You might have to drive somewhere to go see them. You might have to go to an art house cinema, but... They're, they're out there. Yeah, all of these should at least still be in a cinema somewhere. Okay, well. Wonderful. Let's get so, going. So, Martin, pick one oh. out of the box. Here we go. Speed review. Oh, wait. I've got three minutes. Oh, I'll get a timer. Oh, I see. Well, So, I've got I'll... to review this in three minutes. So, as soon as, Martin, you've read out the title, Ben, you'll hit start, and then you tell me when three minutes is up. I'll let and everyone I'll see, yeah. Here try my best to finish up as soon as you do that. What have we got first, Martin? First movie is You Were Never Really Here. Okay, and go. So, You Were Never Really Here. This movie was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. It's by Lynn Ramsey, who previously did We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is one of my favorite movies. And in this movie, Joe, played by Yaquin Phoenix, plays a man, an ex-military guy, who rescues kidnapped girls for a living. And he makes no bones about being extremely violent. He'll kill the people that kidnapped them and you know burn all the evidence he's that kind of guy uh unfortunately the next mission he takes he gets involved in this giant conspiracy where he's rescuing the daughter of an american senator and it builds up into this relationship with the girl and then she gets taken away again to be honest the plot is very weak here. The narrative is really not that strong. I walked away wishing there was so much more and I I didn't feel enough context to get that emotionally involved. However, I think that was intentional. The emotion and the atmosphere of this movie is really why you're here. This is 
what was done fantastically. Yaquin Phoenix plays the part perfectly. One part of Joe's life is that he's got PTSD, he's suicidal, and this movie really gets in his headspace about why he is the way he is and just the way he's feeling. Like I said, because the plot wasn't there for it, I, I, I didn't get attached enough, I don't think. But if you want to just go in there and get emotionally involved, just put yourself into the picture and you will feel distraught and anxious throughout. Yes, yeah, so definitely go see it if you can. How am I doing for time, Ben? 50 seconds. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I'm good. Like I said, it is really fantastic. It's definitely worth seeing. But if I, if I had to make a complaint, I'd say I want more narrative. I know it was based on a short story of the same name, so I don't know how much was cut out or how much is actually kept in. But as a character piece about Joe, played by Yaquin Phoenix, it's fantastic. Wonderful. Well done. How would you rate it? How would you rate it? Quick, Alan. I'd give it four and a half out of five. Okay, not bad then. It's not bad. Like I said, just a little bit unsatisfied, but all in all, very good. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you set? Let's go. Your three minutes starts after I say this. One word. Tully. Tully. Okay, this movie was awesome. And as you guys might remember, after I saw Gringo, I was really shaken about Charlize Theron. A little bit. It was not a great performance, but I bring good news. Charlize Theron is absolutely wonderful again. She's proved me right that you can just watch her in anything. She's amazing. Did you take your girlfriend with this one as well? No, I didn't. Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) So Tully is about Charlize Theron as Marlo, who is a expectant mother of her third child and her family life is a mess she's got her husband's away at work all the time she's got a child with atypical so he's got a lot of mental problems and he's suffering at school because of it so she's just exhausted at the beginning of this movie and Charlize Theron encapsulates that so well you just feel exhausted watching this for her trying to navigate her home life. So her brother suggests she gets a night nanny. Do you guys know what a night nanny is? Babysitter? <laughs> Isn't like a fancy for a babysitter? Pretty much. And okay. so she thinks, ah, that's some hipster nonsense. I'm not going to do that. But as her child gets dismissed from school for being too much work, she just breaks down and calls the night nanny, who is Tully, played by Mackenzie Davis, who is also great in this. From then on, it's pretty much a movie about Tully and Marlowe bonding and allowing Marlowe to become a person again, to become human, not just a wife and a mother. Her husband even says, oh, you've become yourself again, the woman I remember. And I know a lot of people didn't like the way this movie went because it deals in a few surreal themes and Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno as well, has its feet very much firmly on the ground, whereas this does have its abstract moments. And I think the surrealism is fine in this movie. It's very well telegraphed. It all leads to a very well-crafted ending. Marlowe has these dreams of water and of mermaids and that plays into the story. And really, I think it's used well to show that in this suffocating, you know, airless, very high pressure environment, there are people navigating through it with ease, which would be the mermaids. And obviously that represents Tully and that's what she wants to be. It's a movie about who you are, who you want to be, who you were, and just, you know, getting back into life. Five seconds. Ah, uh, go see it. It's very good. Two. Shirley Theron is wonderful. And stop.
Well done. Didn't rate it though. Why would you rate it then, Helen? Oh, I don't like giving star oh. five stars. I mean, it was. It, no, no. I'll, I won't ask you for ratings anymore. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's a film that I went to go see, Lady Bird. You've seen this? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, let me tell you about it. Okay, Lady Bird is the latest. Well, it's the first movie by Greta Gerwig, and it's about Saoirse Ronan as the titular Lady Bird. And it's very much a coming-of-age story. It's about a girl who's navigating her senior year of high school, her first romance, prom, applying for college, all these classic tropes of a coming-of-age, you know, 17-year-old story. But I think the thing that sets it apart is that it's honest and very, very confidently honest. And it just feels so human. And with that honesty, with that humanity, comes a lot of very funny and a very lot, a lot of sad moments. So it is, it does get very emotional. I definitely laughed and cried through this movie. I don't know how you felt, Martin. No comment. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Greta Gerwig obviously has done a lot of fabulous writing before, but this movie is about parental relationship. Lady Bird has a very strenuous relationship with her mother, and. It feels like it's from the heart. Don't you agree? Uh, I can see you shaking your head. Uh, uh, it's not me under review here. <laughs> no, I know, fair enough. I feel like it it's not only for teenagers to watch because it's got this whole parental side of it as well. It's about dealing with people who, when your parents can't accept you for who you are, they want you to be the way they want you to be. And I think it was very well done. There's a lot of the theme of escaping your hometown. She talks the whole way through about how much she hates Sacramento. And when she finally does escape, well, I won't, I won't say how it goes, but I think it makes really humanizing points about growing up and about having a personality, having your own personality. And Saoirse Ronan is really good in this, as she usually is. Laurie Metcalf, who plays her mother, is fantastic. She does a really good job of just being that type of mother she you know she says all the things we've heard our mothers say i really enjoyed it and a great supporting cast as well so i would definitely go see this movie if you can not necessarily a big screen movie so you can wait for it to come out on dvd but five stars for you martin and you like your reviews and i'm out of time i was only shaking my head because i was trying to like to follow it along I, I i agree with pretty much what you said there it was a definitely coming of age story i actually couldn't actually flawless film at all myself i actually really enjoyed this film oh good i'm glad i really did enjoy it yeah it was a good film so i, I agree with your review and how you put it two left in the box two left in the box i am going to dive my hand into the box get my hand in the box picking up the cards this is the song of the box of the box <laughs> God, it's hot. It's boiling in here. Ah, okay. Dying. The quicker you read, the right. sooner we can open the door. Alan. Good thing I'm doing speed review. Speed review. Your second to last one, your timer starts after this, is Mary and the Witch's Flower. Oh, Mary and the Witch's Flower. I, I love this movie. So this is very much a kid's movie. It's a Japanese animated movie directed by Hiromasa Yonibayashi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is a Studio Ghibli alumni. He's branched off and started his own company, Studio Ponak. And this is a remake of Mary Stewart's 1971 The Little Broomstick, which feels very much like a preamble precursor to the Harry Potter series. Uh, obviously written a long time before, but you can definitely see J.K. Rowling's influences. It's about Mary, obviously, who 
is bored out of her mind one summer holiday in the English countryside and she finds this old broomstick in the woods with this special magical flower that only blooms once every seven years or something and when she grabs both of them she gets transported whisked up into the clouds to this magical castle that's a school for wizards and witches sound familiar i don't think you're just saying about harry potter now (laughs) it differs from harry potter in that she never really goes to the school it's like a child masquerading in an unknown world shouldn't be there gets in trouble for being there and Kate Winslet and Jim Broadbent voice two, the headmistress and the one of the teachers who find out she's been lying. Then they also want this magical flower that she found. So they hold this boy in the town ransom and she has to free him and free all the people from this castle. The animation is beautiful, obviously. Being someone from Studio Ghibli, it's superb. All the little details they get about England country life. It's amazing. Yeah, it's not quite as smooth as Studio Ghibli can be, but you know, for their first movie, I think it looked amazing. Narratively, I can't really speak to the source material. It is a kid's book. It's a little thin. It feels like it's always getting going and then finishes. Do you know what I mean? Like even the relationship, the only relationship really is that between Peter and Mary and that's They just seem like two people that have just met each other. They never feel like they become friends. Mary and her great aunt, who she's living with. Yeah, it it feels like it's just trying to get to the end. At first, I I felt like, oh, it's good pacing, but it it never got anywhere. And it's still very charming. But like Studio Ghibli, they always seem to respect the audience, irrespective of their age. Whereas this felt very young. It felt like it was for a very young audience. And, oh, I'm out of time. You are out of time. So you enjoyed the film then? (laughs) I did enjoy it. It felt magical. You could feel the magic. You could feel they really cared about making it, which is always important in a hand-drawn animated movie. But like I said, maybe it's just the source material that didn't get me. Final thoughts. It's a yay, I take it. Yeah, it's a yay. And who should go see this film? Definitely take your kids to go see this. I think if you want to see what was probably the inspiration to Harry Potter go see this there's definitely a through line there that you can piece together our last one in Alan, so you know what it is going to be so don't really need too much preparation this time. <laughs> the audience don't know but yes <laughs> oh it's harry potter no it's beast beast okay so this movie is really upsetting because most of the people that made this have never made a feature film before and it's really good very con- confidently made so directed by Michael Pierce, again, never made a feature film before. And it's about this girl called Mole, played by Jessie Buckley, never been in a feature film before. And she is trapped in this suburban, you know, family life on the island of Jersey. And the movie starts on her birthday, where she's very quickly upstaged by her perfect princess, her younger sister. You know, uh, she's announcing she's have twins. Everything then becomes about the sister, she feels isolated. Mole feels isolated. She runs away into the town of Jersey and goes out partying, gets with a boy who, you know, if it weren't for Pascal turning up, would probably become a would-be rapist. Pascal saves the day, played by Johnny Flynn. Again, never been in a feature film before. He is the complete opposite of her family life. He's rough. He's a local working class man. He's a poacher. He's covered in dirt, scars, everything. And she just becomes infatuated with him. And slowly, almost like a rom-com, they 
begin their relationship. Behind all of this, parallel to all of this, there is a serial killer on the island, killing girls that look very similar to Mole. And as she gets into this relationship with Pascal, we get into this really slow burn psychological thriller. Is he the killer? Isn't he? What is he doing? What is he making her do to their, her family life? You know, her mother's very controlling and he's not good enough. So there's that whole side of it. And as we learn more about him, we also learn more about her dark side and her dark past. And we find out why at 27 years of age, she's still living at home with her mother. Putting it on Jersey Island is great because it just makes it feel so much more claustrophobic. Jersey has a history of, you know, a killer as well. There is some real life inspirations there. And it also really adds to this idea of, you know, the clues in the title, Beast. This is really, I hate the phrase, but an adult fairy tale. You know, it's about a man who has been exiled from the community for his appearance, basically, for being thought of to be a murderer. And, you know, he comes and saves the trapped princess, but they take in a completely different direction. And I really like how ambiguous the movie stays. They don't really give you an answer about, is he the killer? Isn't he? What's her deal? It's all implied. And I really love that. And Ben's mentioning I'm out of time. Out of time, I'm afraid. Oh, I could talk you were about on that. a roll. Yeah, no, I, I can tell how much you like that film. And actually, you are selling it to me. It's probably the best one I've heard of the, of the deck that I wasn't aware of already. I think we saved the best for last. We 100% did. Final thoughts? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it stayed with me for quite a while because they don't give you a direct answer. You know, you, you're just thinking about it. I really enjoyed all of these movies. So if you get a chance, quickly go watch them. They're not in for that long. Go see all of these movies if you can however if you either don't have the money or if you had to go to one of these films I know it's going to be difficult you like all of them okay. if, you, if you had to go to one of these films and in terms of good value for money enjoyment factor like all of these things taken into it which one would be get your golden ticket which one would be the one ticket can I give you a political answer give me whichever answer you okay. want yeah. if, you, want, if you need to What's take your kids somewhere Mary and the Witch's Flower is perfect if you want an indie darling you know feet on the ground coming of age story Lady Bird if you want something very dark and heavy and suffocating you were never really here that really hits that violent tone if you want to feel good about something and well I, don't know, I, I know I said it was very exhausting to begin with, but I, I feel like it's a joy to watch Tully. And I think, yeah, Beast Beast was probably my favourite out of the lot. So Beast is your so number Beast one. Beast is my number the one. long-winded. I know. I we, know. Got, I know but we got there. I, yeah, I mean, that was longer than reviews. <laughs> they are all very different, though. So I think they are all for a different audience. Oh, they can be. This week in the Gaming Corner was a big one because of E3 so much has been released so much has been announced and to even put them in a short little segment on its own would be criminal so I decided I'm going to pick some games that I thought were quite relevant and I thought that you would enjoy me talking about and hearing about so the first one is the Devil May Cry series I'm making a Devil May Cry 5 which is scheduled to be released in spring 2019 either of you fans of the DMC games. Well, I'm not against them, but I never played any of them. Not played them either, sorry. 
Wow. Okay, I generally thought at least Alan would have played these. Many of these, these are all just announcement trailers. The trailers are, are definitely all pre-rendered. It's actually quite a nice breath of fresh air seeing the DMC making a return. I know that some of my friends who do play uh, Don't May Cry, they wanted another installment. They wanted a progression of the last story. Very little is known about this game, but I just want to let people know that this game has been announced because a lot of DMC fans have been waiting for a new game, and this is definitely one to keep an eye out on. The trailer didn't reveal too much in in terms of just uh, a casual like myself, but it was a good uh, watch. I definitely urge everyone just to watch the trailer. Realistically, it's a very small one, but like I said, I thought more Alan could help me in this one, but he's let me down. Sorry. That's okay. Maybe you could help me in the next one, in another fifth installment. I'll do my best. Gears of War 5. Yes, I did not think I wanted another Gears of War game. I thought I was completely bored by them. But that trailer was really good. It was a good trailer. I will agree with you. That was awesome. And I have some details here. Instead of the lead by Marcus Phoenix and the old gang from 1, 2, and 3, and he was also in the fourth installment, it's now been taken over by Kate Diaz. In my opinion, the fourth installment was so bad and I just felt nothing for any of them. I really didn't enjoy it at all. The third game I really loved, but the best one in my opinion was the second because you had like game modes like Wingman and also the team deathmatch actually felt like a uh, close quarter combat. It was just fun. And the third was all right, but the fourth I sort of dropped off. But like you said, the trailer was incredible and it got me back on my radar and I thought I have to talk about this. It'll be released on PC and on Xbox One in 2019. Most of these games are going to be released in at least a year's time minimum. They also had that side announcement about Gears of War Tactics, which looks like Gears of War XCOM. Yeah, I saw. I didn't oh, really want I'd to mention that. that too much because I wasn't really sold on the idea. And that's exactly how I described it in my head. It looked like just a blatant ripoff of XCOM, just reskin it with Gears of War characters. That sounds fantastic to me. Uh, I'm not a massive XCOM fan. <laughs> that's the problem. That's why I didn't. Put okay, it in there. but no, enough. I'm glad you did because I'm sure there's someone out there who, and that's okay because everyone likes games differently. Here's a game that I have been waiting for a good long time now, Kingdom Hearts Three. I've mentioned this so much on this podcast. I think we'll be millionaires if every time I said if I had a pound. You've been waiting long enough to be fair and teased the hell out of and. Yeah, I saw this in the conference, the trailer or some footage, and I immediately thought of you, and I could see you smiling, even though you weren't with me. And also, maybe I've completely misremembered this or mixed this up, but when the PlayStation 4 was being announced, they talked about this game, so I got the impression that it was very much Sony-backed, but now, do you think the tables have turned because of how long it's taken? Do you think it's been something related to that, or am I missing the points... No, I, generally, this actually crossed my mind as well. So again, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I I feel, realistically, this game has took too long to come out, and I feel like the tables are turning ever so slightly. I mean, this was announced back in 2015. That was, what, three years ago? This will be now four years when it's actually released. So it's ridiculous to think that. The last installment off the top of my head was that was in the main series that was Kingdom Hearts 2 was 2006 ever since then we've had like just spin-off games it's a massive hiatus for any game in E3 it was the Frozen trailer and that's what just to say look we get we got Frozen as our um, how do you feel about that I think people should just let it go let it go man wow no but, but seriously what do you think I wasn't too bothered because 
I, I expected that they're going to go more up to date, modern feel because, like I said, that was a massive hiatus. That's nearly at least a decade ago that we got a, like a, a main fleshed out story. You now have to invite a new generation of people, and that's why they brought in Toy Story. They've kept old favorites like Hercules World and all that, as well as they brought in the Tangled World as well. Realistically, I, I'm I can see why they've done this. I just hope they don't mess it up because like i said it's been a long time high expectations are going to be made now because of how long it's taken and this is the problem with games like this the longer you delay it the more people are waiting the anticipation grows so by the time it comes out it better be damn good otherwise people are going to be peed off to say the least and yeah toy story that i'm excited to see toy story in there absolutely it should have been in there a long time ago yeah this is just Toy story is hardly a new series well, that was made in 95. Exactly. So, you know, we've had a many games before that. January 29th, this has comes out. So Hopefully. Well, allegedly. We've had this before. I just hope that they don't push it back any longer. You, you've got to start just saying, we've got to put this out at some point. Because otherwise, I'm chasing a pipe dream of actually owning a copy. I just feel like sooner or later, as much as I'm a big fan, I'm just going to go, forget it. I've, I've had enough now. Okay, the next one is a massive game. It's the Elder Scrolls Six. Finally. Not an online on another console. It's... Or is it? Well, there are speculation. However, the whole details will be released in E3 2019. Great. So yeah. we've got a whole year to wait about it. So we can all speculate. And maybe I might do like an odd fixture. I'll say about where do you think the Elder Scrolls would go if it's a slow, uh, slow few weeks or so. But yeah, it was only an announcement video. It pretty much just showed a quick landscape. Bang, Elder Scrolls 6. People cheered and that was about it. You know, there was really not a lot to report on this. But I'm just saying that another Elder Scrolls is coming in out because the last one came out on the 11th of November 2011. That's a long time ago. And since then, we've had the same game. Just slightly on different on yep. slightly different platforms. Remastered and everything. Yeah, that was barely an announcement. They they led into that announcement with next generation we're going to be making Starfield and that was just yeah. a picture of a planet and they were like and then after that we'll make Elder Scrolls so yeah it's going to be a while I think they just got out there to say yes everyone shut up we are making this we have plans to make it yeah leave us alone please let's go on with and that. also a couple of their games got ruined by Walmart you know accidentally yes. leaking rage 2 and stuff yes so i think they just wanted an extra couple of things to add on to the end of the conference okay the next one is halo infinite have we got any halo fans here wow what are you two into i like, played so- the first halo <laughs> on my original xbox i wow <laughs> actually it looked kind of cool but i'm not a halo fan particularly I don't know what to really say now. I, I think it was just a way to get the audience hyped at the beginning of their show. Yeah, it was a hype merchant say, look, we're still doing games. We're still making Halo. It's coming out, guys. A bit of just, again, a bit of announcement saying, look, we are making it. Leave us alone. Doesn't it feel a bit too soon after the last Halo? I don't know. Halo 5 doesn't seem that long ago. The thing is, actually, I felt the last five, six years, their games just could be coming out on, on the conveyor belt. They made a Halo Wars 2, then it was Halo 5, then it was Halo Anniversary, or or even some sort of that mix. And it's bad if I can't remember the timeline, because they've recycled and just shoved so much stuff in the last five, six years. I would say that Halo should have stopped when Bungie left, because Halo was Bungie. Yeah, but yeah, it was It was a pipe dream by a few kids who started out making a game for themselves, a game that they loved to play, and they created Bungie. And then that's how it happened. And they've been on this rollercoaster since until 
Bungie left because they felt that this is, wasn't what they were doing anymore. They were corporately controlled, saying that this is what you need to do rather than creating a game that they enjoyed playing. And that's why they went and then did Destiny. So for me, I'm not excited about it, mostly because I wasn't A, deep enough into the franchise to be desperate for another Halo, whatever shape or form it comes into. And B, for me, this is, you know, some carcass that's left over that are still trying to prop up to keep the core Xbox user base happy. No, no, no that's understandable. And yeah, again, I, I can't disagree with that. Bungie were Halo, and ever since then, it has been a bit watered down. It, it doesn't play like it uh, used to. I never get that much uh, great feeling from it. I think the last one I really thoroughly enjoyed was Halo 3, and that, and that was a long time ago. Okay, so these last two are just little tastes to go away with. So we've had the star, we've had the main course, we've even had the dessert. What was the dessert? Well, I don't know. If you can't remember, that's great. Okay. So these are sort of like that 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 mint on the bill that I'll I'll pay for. Don't worry. No, oh, it's good. on me, guys. Great. It's a wonderful experience. Absolutely. So glad we came here. <laughs> so the final thing here is Xbox have confirmed that Microsoft promises to set the benchmark for console gaming. I sorry, what a statement to make, and what what a vague promise to make like set the benchmark don't get me wrong the the games i have announced are very coveted some of them are I suppose, exclusive and some of them will not be but i will say i don't want microsoft to get cocky again because they've already been cocky and, and see what happened last time and they're doing really well this is a really strong e3 lineup there's some really great games it's really showing them getting back into their element and really caught up with where they were lacking only a few years ago so i'm just hoping that them saying we are gonna lead the future or we're gonna do all this is just you know i'm hoping that they're still gonna keep their eye on the pulse and actually listen to what gamers really want and not get ahead of themselves which microsoft tend to do they kind of go oh look we can do everything completely different we can you know do this whole new thing look how amazing this looks this is like how people are going to do this in the future and you're like hold on a sec we're not there yet you sure this is what your users want it may look cool and you may get excited about it but let's just step back a minute so i'm hoping that microsoft really just just keep the finger on the pulse and just you know do what's best for the gamers at the end of the day because those are the people who are actually going to be by your side supporting the games you bring out the updates you do and the community that you want to support you guys are getting really hung up on something the marketing team has put together if you know what the pr people have said and look at their actions they've acquired they've acquired a whole bunch of new studios their conference was pretty much game, 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 game. Mm-hmm. And the, games. the theory is, whoever's got the best installment of games kind of, you know, wins the war. War in quotation marks. You've literally just dropped my memory. On the train, just before I, I saw both of you, there's actually rumours that they're going to start a whole new console war because with the console war before with the 360 and, and the PS3 we could probably all say it was pretty uh, obvious that the 360 won that quite comfortably with the new alliteration I think you could probably justify PS4 winning that over the Xbox One purely because the, the Xbox One has such a bad false start and it had to really uh, come up the hill and I will agree this marketing thing was not seen in, in the previous iterations of the E3 52 games were announced and it was game 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 here's a bit about what we're doing right now game 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 it was a very bold strategy and it kept me interested until I had to fall asleep obviously but I'd rather quality of a quantity I don't want this whole war to start off with who can announce the most games in the console because yes it's good support 
indie developers help them grow bring out new games but i'm just saying that it wasn't long ago it was in recent history that microsoft got it very very wrong they thought the xbox was going to be a media home and they were trying to target every which angle of what it could do but lost sight of the gamers and it was sony who were announcing a ton of games supporting the the supporting the indie developers and bringing the future so Microsoft have done an amazing job. They have turned back the tides, done the right decisions, brought people back on board and are doing quite well. I just want them for the sake of the gaming industry, for the sake of competition and for moving things forward to just not get cocky or overconfident and just do what they do best and bring out fantastic game experiences. I think that's all really just needs to be said in the gaming corner today. And of course, we'll have to wait and see about PlayStation because that's going on right now as we're, as we're recording. recording so you guys probably already know listening but hopefully we can have a discussion about that next time i, I believe so i can't see why not ben <laughs> <laughs> well you're the gaming corner man martin alan what was your favorite thing announced so far does it have to be on any anything just out of all of e3 so far was oh well, that's an easy one oh, then. kingdom hearts it's gonna be kingdom hearts. but if it couldn't be kingdom hearts okay yeah scratch that one um, i would probably say and it's like I said I hated Gears of War 4 but 5 really made me interested and that's probably what I'm into that's the one I'm, I'm looking forward to and not just to play but also I will probably talk about that most likely when it's released I want to talk about it if we're still going bit of hope if Ben hasn't found that replacement just yet still searching I know I, I've seen the ad I've applied to it twice under two different aliases yeah we know <laughs> oh <laughs> Ben go on then I actually was not sure when i first heard about it watched the trailer bring me back to my roots where i started out in gaming forza horizon the new forza horizon uh, you didn't talk about it it's based yeah, in the uk I when i found that out i'm on board see driving through of, fields just, sheep sounds like my kind of car game it just sounds like an average day at it, your it hotel. really does and to be honest <laughs> with you yeah it looks really good and i'm very much pleased it's coming to pc as well as xbox one so i will be getting that on the pc looks good and yourself, Alan, as you brought the question, you must have an answer. Yeah, the game that they wrapped up the Xbox One conference, Cyberpunk. That looks so right. Oh, cool. Right. Uh, that it one. does look cool. I that was going to leave this for our next podcast as a thing on its own. Okay, sorry. So did that's why, it? just so if. No, that's fine. I don't want you to, anyone to be aware. He did talk about Cyberpunk. Why I want can't to we talk about it now. No, because I haven't got my full notes on me. Okay. I want to give it a full justice because All when right. I saw Teaser. it, I definitely did think. This has come out of nowhere. This is definitely something I want to. I want to get more details on first, and then definitely talk about it. I was waiting for someone to say about it. I go, man, you didn't talk about Cyberpunk, so yeah, don't it, worry. It is in my back of my mind. Don't yeah, worry. I mean, I've been wanting to see what this was for so long. I'm a big fan of CD Projekt, the yeah. guys that made Witcher, the Witcher games. Yes. You're quite right. Oh, it looks so good. And they did that whole like hacker everything's oh, going wrong yeah. stage thing to induce then you saw red and when it's like red I was like how on red where do I know that from I don't want to say anything just now but yeah that was definitely on my radar don't think whoa that was the big game mine I haven't missed the trick it's just that I, I just haven't got the full details that I would like to give it justice and there we have it I'm afraid that's all we have time for on this episode of the three pixels podcast episode number 10 thank you for listening don't forget if you haven't hit that subscribe button to hit it right now give it a little smash and don't forget to tell a friend about the series 2 just 
Tell someone you bump into, any random person, tap them on the shoulder. We're not responsible for anything that happens, but get them to subscribe to the podcast and we'll love you very much. Working our way to that whopping 2,000 listens. Also, if you want to support us, we have put a page up. We've had a few people ask us, even a few people support us already, so thank you very much. You can visit the 3 Pixels website and you can go to the support page and click to give us a coffee. Yes, you can give us a coffee, not a real one, a virtual one, and it'll only cost you three bucks, which is very, very cheap. One of the cheapest coffees I've probably ever bought. So if you want to support us there, please do so. We're not asking you to go support us, but if you want to, as some people have asked, you're not giving it to us, you're giving it to the content we create and helping us make bigger and better things. We're in a studio, of course, white city place. Thank you to the guys at the MediaWorks making this happen. So things like this can only happen when we get some love and support from the community. These guys have supported us. So if you do want to, last time I'm going to say it, go to the support page, buy us a coffee, give us a little donation, or use our Amazon affiliate links, which is completely free, and we get a kickback from anything you buy. But with that, we thank you again for listening. I thank Alan for joining us and giving us a great movie roundup. Some brilliant films. Go and check all of those out, I would. Yeah, please do. Go see those movies. Thank you. And of course, Martin giving us that E3 roundup. Spent a lot of time on that. Really great games in there. Many I want to go and check out. Let us know your favorite one as well. Like Martin, thank you. That's all right. Thank you very much. And we'll see you guys on the next episode, whenever or wherever it will come from. Who knows? Probably will happen on a Monday, two weeks from now, if you're listening on the release date. Anyway, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys on the next one. Adios, amigos. See you later. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to the Three Pixels podcast, a production by Alan Taylor, music provided by Epidemic Sound, and exec produced by Abrupt Audio. With that, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Good night. It's hot. It is hot. It's really hot. Sorry, oh, can I, I have I a licorice sauce? Oh, thank you. Sorry, I'll just make extra noise while doing this. How are you doing, Martin? I'm okay. How's the pod? The pod? It's warm. good. It's, it's just warm. It's very warm. You'd probably think I'd stop recording right now so we can open the door. Please. Probably. Alan, I'll save open us. it anyway. Yeah, here we go. You might hear the noise when we do it. There we go. We're now no longer... Oh, oh, it's going back. The pod's great, but I've had some weird looks. Yeah, definitely. I've never done it. It's like doing... Door shut. It's like doing it with an audience. Yeah. I feel None like... of them really care or want to actually see you. Yeah, they sort of go, oh, what are they doing? Uh, they're just they're talking to themselves. So, If you can't imagine what this is, so the pod basically is this cube with porthole windows. Is mm-hmm. that what you call yeah, it? you're yeah. right, yeah. Porthole windows looking out, and it's sound isolated. And there is air conditioning, but we have to turn it off because otherwise you guys can hear it. And we will have different views. I mean, I would have a view, but the blind's down, so I get to look at Martin's beautiful face. Martin, do you want to explain your view? My view is, I got two views. I, I've, I'm spoiled for choice here. I think I think you said it was a South African restaurant over there, Alan? It was a Muriel, right? Uh, okay, I thought it was, I, I just genuinely believed. Alan could say whatever it was, I believed him. And I think on my right, I've got sort of green park. I guess you could be, call it a meeting point. Yeah, it's kind of what Alan's looking at. Yeah, how's Alan, your Alan, how's what, your view? What's Alan? going on there? I can only see so much. Well, it's London, so mainly construction. Yeah, mm. and a bit of grass. It's beautiful oh, sunset. Though. A thin narrow of sunshine that I've everyone need- was crammed into yeah. sunbathing. This will normally happen. I've nearly got London bingo. But yeah, it's going well. <laughs> uh, all I'm looking for is a black cab. Yeah. No. I don't, what are you doing? It's probably time. Huh? Probably I don't get it. Oh, the. In London Bingo, you look at your normal sites, what you see in London, like Westminster, you've got Big Ben, mm. Black Cab. I haven't seen a Black Cab today, so that is on my London Bingo. Bingo. I thought you were saying Mingo. No, not Mingo. Not <laughs> Flamingo. Well, it was Mingo. <laughs>
London <laughs> Bingo. You've already been in the wrong part of town. <laughs> Mine has this fun life, doesn't it? <laughs> You can tell he lives in Banbury, can't you? You, you can tell it's a real day out for where, you. Where, like, London, oh. where London becomes a game. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone else, it's an annoyance and a pain in the backside in which but, everyone will just disappear. But to Martin, it's, that, it's a game of bingo. Here's someone on the other side of the region. Mingo! Mingo! <laughs> that's my mingo, all. brother. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, that's the time it is.